WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. That Stillers game certainly got boring in a hurry. Once they're up 10-0 and Houston got stopped on fourth and goal at the one, at that point, the game's over. And then it's fun time. You let Nick score a touchdown. Ridley gets carries. It's over half a game's worth of garbage time. For better or worse, once the Steelers lost to New England last week, they weren't going to play a truly competitive game in a month because yesterday was not competitive and Cleveland will not be competitive. And then you got the first round by for the playoffs. The Steelers should give legit thought to rest in Lev Bell and maybe some other key players against Cleveland. We're going to talk about that later for sure. So yesterday at Houston was very uneventful. The AFC seeds remain New England 1, Pittsburgh 2, Jacksonville 3, and Kansas City 4. Same as it ever was. It's double M on the X, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. we got a lot to talk about today besides the Steeler game. To begin with, the Steelers cutting James Harrison. And you got the Penguins in free fall, and the New England Patriots continue to get every call. Oh, and the New England Patriots might get James Harrison. Let's start there. James Harrison, of course, cut by the Steelers uh, late last week. Harrison reportedly visited New England at Foxborough today with an eye towards signing with the Patriots. What the Patriots would see in Harrison, I have zero idea. How Harrison could help New England, I have zero idea. I know New England needs a pass rusher, but if the Steelers cut Harrison, with the possibility there for him to go to New England, the Steelers must really think Harrison stinks, and the Steelers would certainly know. Yeah, I know. Motivated. Revenge. Yada, yada. He stinks. He won't help New England. But if Harrison does go to New England, that's him being very disrespectful of his time with the team that made him. Very disrespectful of what the Steelers did for James Harrison. And please don't hand me that crap. Oh, he needs a job. They cut him. He can go work wherever he wants. I mean, yeah, that's true, but needs a job? Come on. A, Harrison gets paid in full this season, no matter what, as a vested veteran. B, he's made $43 million on his career. So if Harrison goes to New England, he's being a jerk, which Harrison is. Harrison is a jerk and a bully and has been a jerk and a bully his entire life. The Steelers gave Harrison a chance when every other team thought he was a bum. Then the Steelers gave him more chances in his golden years when he was washed up. You talk about the Steelers' lack of loyalty to Harrison, 
I would say that loyalty has been demonstrated many, many times over. I ask you, what about his lack of loyalty to the Steelers if he signs with New England? But that would be typical Harrison. It's always all about Harrison. As far as Harrison's concerned, he got disrespected. He wants revenge. He needs to show everybody. Yo, James, please do just go away. F. James Harrison. He's a bully and a jerk. Always has been, still is, and always will be. In just a little bit, I'll talk about the timing and potential reasons as to why the Steelers cut James Harrison uh, when they did. There's got to be a story, right? Came out of nowhere. Got to be a story. Steelers with the convincing win. Convincing win yesterday at Houston. There are a lot of good sidebars coming out of that Steeler win yesterday. Uh, Alejandro Villadueva did a great job blocking Jadavion Clowney. By all accounts, that was perhaps Villadueva's best game of the season. Uh, Vance McDonald had four catches. Ben got him very involved very early. Uh, ben Roethlisberger obviously wants Vance McDonald to be a bigger weapon than he's been so far in his one-year Steeler tenure. Uh, B.J. Finney played well at the one guard with Ramon Foster out. Joe Hayden covered DeAndre Hopkins, uh, mono Imano, and did a real good job against Hopkins, except for that circus catch, which, well, Hopkins is going to pull that off once in a while. Le'Veon Bell had a light workload, just 14 carries and five catches, and that is fine by me. That's very wise with the playoffs looming. Mike Hilton had three sacks off that blitz from the slot corner. Steelers had seven tacks total. What a find Mike Hilton's been. And we'll go into detail about this later, but the Steelers have a pretty good secondary right now. Nobody outstanding, but that is a decent group where on a given Sunday, the hole is turning out to be greater than the sum of the parts. Uh, Spence played a ton at inside backer and had eight tackles. But that's not necessarily good because Houston ran the ball pretty well with 176 rushing yards total. They ran right at Spence a lot of the time because he's perceived as a weakness. The Steelers' run defense is a weakness without Ryan Shazier. Available. Uh, 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Steelers can't lose the bye. Can't lose home field for the uh, division round playoff game. The Steelers could still get home field for the entirety of the AFC tournament if they beat Cleveland and New England loses to the New York Jets at Foxborough. But we would all agree that scenario is very unlikely. New England is not going to lose at home to the Jets. So getting back to the Lev Bell situation, I don't play Lev Bell at all against Cleveland. Not with Connor out for the year. 
Ridley, Tassot, whoever. Let them run the ball against Cleveland. It'll be enough to win. I don't take chances with Lev Bell going into the playoffs, given his injury history especially. The minute Lev Bell gets hurt, the Steelers' season is over. So don't take a chance by playing Bell against Cleveland, although I bet Tomlin does, even if it's not for very long. I wouldn't play Bell. And for me, the same would apply to any key player that might be a bit banged up. Where there's any risk, I would err on the side of not playing that guy. I get Ben out of there as quick as I can. Cleveland is 0-15. Maybe the worst football team ever. Use some common sense. Here's an item that uh, certainly didn't escape notice yesterday. How about Philadelphia scored a late touchdown against Oakland to take a 19-10 lead? Philadelphia then took a knee on the extra point, and Philadelphia did not cover the spread because of that. I don't think uh, Philly put the fix in. I don't think Philly was trying to help somebody who had the points. But you can't take a knee on the extra point. Not when it affects who covers and who doesn't. Nobody ever takes a knee on the extra point, so you especially can't do it in that situation. When a league is so connected with and propped up by gambling, you can't fail to cover by way of clearly opting not to. We got Matt Williamson, our football guru, at 3.30. We're going to talk more about the Steelers cutting James Harrison. I'm glad to see the back of him. Guy's always been a jerk. He's a domestic abuser. I'm glad Pittsburgh and the Steelers are finally shot at James Harrison. But I bet a lot of you feel very differently. 412-333-WXDX. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I'll throw that person off the stage. Uh, hey, Mark, love the stuff. I'll be here for you, just like you've always been here for me. VX at 105.9. The Steelers won yesterday at Houston, but that was very much expected. To me, the big story is the Steelers cutting James Harrison. There is X amount of outrage uh, in the city because of perceived disrespect, all-time great Steeler, yada, yada. Boy, we picked some odd heroes in this city. But the facts are Harrison barely played just 40 snaps all year and was often a healthy scratch. That doesn't diminish what he did or who he was, but what he is right now is 39 and washed up. This past season, Harrison had been a mascot for the Steelers and a nostalgia act. Uh, he's making, what, 1.3 mil this year, I believe. He's made 43 mil on his career. That's nice work if you can get it. Tomlin has always been Harrison's buddy, but in this case, Tomlin was a coach first. Now, the timing is strange. You cut the guy in week 16. I can't help but think Harrison was making a fuss being a pain in the backside about not playing. I can't figure Harrison should have been playing or he 
would have been playing. Let's not forget the Steelers are 12 and 3. Being 12 and 3 tends to validate whatever decisions have been made. Again, Harrison just played 40 snaps all year. He stinks. The Steelers know it. And they obviously don't care if he goes to New England. Here's what I think happened. Last year, the Steelers rested Harrison for the first half of the season. And then he came in, played well, and the Steelers went from 4-5 and five to 11-5. So I bet the same plan was in place for this season. But T.J. Watt got drafted in the first round, came in, played real well in Harrison's spot, and kept improving. In addition, that spot, outside backer, became more about pass coverage with Watt in there and not just the rush. And most important, the Steelers were in the middle of an eight-game win streak at midseason. So there was no logical reason to start using Harrison and still isn't. Well, now it's moot because they cut him, but a lot of you out there who worship at the altar of this domestic abuser need to understand it's not about James Harrison. It's about the Steelers. It's about the greater good and not about appeasing a so-called legend. Anyway, how will Harrison be remembered? Uh, He won one major honor, NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2008. He helped the Steelers win two Super Bowls. He made all pro four times. First team twice, second team twice. He made five Pro Bowls. James Harrison also made the most memorable play in Super Bowl history, that 100-yard interception return. That was in 2009, Super Bowl 43. So, James Harrison is an all-time Steeler great. Not top 10, not even close. Maybe top 20, for sure top 30. Great career, no question. But now it looks like his Pittsburgh tenure is done, And James Harrison should have no complaints. Far from it. He probably got an extra year of checks he shouldn't have. Now, we've been talking about Harrison seen at Logan Airport today, reportedly visiting the Patriots at Foxborough with an eye toward signing there. Who cares about that? And might I add, Again, joining New England would be disrespectful to the Steelers. Yeah, they'll get all the defensive signals from them. Oh, no, what do the Steelers do? I'll tell you what they'll do. They'll just change the defensive signals. And I reiterate, I emphasize, I will repeat out the yin-yang. If the Steelers thought James Harris could play still even a little bit, They would not have cut him and let him potentially go to New England. But he stinks. The Steelers know it. And they obviously don't care if he goes to New England. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Matt Williamson just around the corner. The Steeler game at Houston 
and the game coming up at home against Cleveland to finish the regular season. You know what they're really like? Exhibition games. You play the starters, but not all that much. You saw the limited workload that Lev Bell had yesterday, and, and I think that was a good decision. You're letting guys like Sean Spence get a lot of snaps because Shazier ain't coming back, and you got to make do as best you can at that inside backer spot, which, boy, Shazier's value is really on display in his absence because inside backer went from a strength to a weakness once Shazier went down. You got Ben trying to inject more Vance McDonald into the offense. You got Villanueva with a good workout and a good showing against Jadavion Clowney yesterday. There will be a month that passes between competitive games for the Steelers. But that's okay. Because when they play that competitive game against, I guess, probably Jacksonville in the divisional round, they will be more than ready for that game more than prepared for that game, and hopefully as healthy as they could possibly be for that game. You know what the Steelers do have to work on between now and that game? Their touchdown celebrations. The Steelers did some more really stupid touchdown celebrations yesterday. If the celebration has to be explained, it's not any good. They need a new choreographer. I got told, oh, that was the snowball fight scene from Elf. Okay, what if I never saw the movie Elf? You got to be a little more accessible. Plus, it seems like they're like the youngest guy, Juju, call the shots with these celebrations. I'll say this. Back when the celebrations were frowned upon, everybody bitched about Terrell Owens. He was better at that kind of stuff than anybody is in today's NFL. With all the choreography, all the working it out in advance, all the teammates involving each other, T.O., still number one in that regard. Up next, we'll talk football with our guru, Matt Williamson. He's just around the corner on the X. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. I am the voice of the voiceless. <laughs> So, just, just a thought. What, what the hell are you talking about? The X at 105.9. Steelers with a not very interesting win over Houston yesterday. But boy, it gets real interesting moving forward. And it's real interesting with James Harrison right now. Joining me now to discuss, he is our football guru, former pro and college scout Matt Williamson. Uh, Matt, the Texans were not very competitive. So what? legitimate takeaways do we get from yesterday's game? Well, I mean, when you compare it to the rest of the season and on the road against lesser opponents, as we've heard so much through Tomlin's career, it was great to see them just dismantle a a very overmatched team. I mean, they they did what we hoped. Um, I I think that the one negative, and and to talk about a game like that and to to talk about the negatives is probably not worth it, but everything else is positive and one thing stands out negative, and that's their run defense. And I do think that's a big problem, but I also think, and Tomlin mentioned this after the game, 
that part of that was game plan, you know, that they didn't stack the boxes. They were really worried about Fuller and especially Hopkins beating them. And by no means could that offense keep up with the Steelers' offense, even running the ball as successfully as they did. So we have to remember that the overall game plan here is get a victory. And if that means conceding yards on the ground, so be it, because it really didn't matter. Should the Steelers rest key players against Cleveland, like Bell or Ben, how far will Mike Tomlin go with that? Well, for those who don't know, the Patriots will be playing at the exact same time, which I would handle it this way. I would go into that game telling everyone to prepare like it's any other game. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking Ben, Bell, those guys probably will not play the second half. They won't play the second half unless Jets, Patriots, is really close, or the Jets have the lead. And But if the Patriots are up by 10, it's halftime, both games are going on about the same time, I think you rest everybody and you know avoid injury. But if the, if the Patriot game is close, especially if you're beating the Browns thoroughly at that point, but I think you kind of play it by ear, but you enter the game thinking, I want Landry Jones handing to Stephen Ridley in the second half. Well, Lev Bell got a lighter workload yesterday, Perhaps that's a happy medium that we're seeing already, Matt. Yeah, exactly. And it's something I've been very critical of Tomlin, but I certainly understand that running a running back until the wheels come off, inevitably the wheels come off. And you don't want the wheels off at the wrong time. I mean, um, so I think they were very conscientious about that. And, you know, late in the game doesn't even count. I mean, when when the game was, you know, when the, the good guys were in, they still didn't lean on him all that much and by his standards, which I thought was really smart. Joe Hayden spent a lot of time covering uh, DeAndre Hopkins yesterday. The Steelers are really showing legitimate commitment to playing more man defense, aren't they? They are, and I think that's highly encouraging. I thought it would happen sooner, um, but I was it was great to see it against New England, and especially in this situation. You know, Not only did they play man coverage, but like you mentioned, you know, even in the past, I mean, Hayden played on the left corner, Burns played on the right. I mean, they actually followed guys now, and uh, we were talking about this earlier. I mean, a guy like Hopkins really fits what Hayden does. You know, he's not the fastest wide receiver out there. I don't know that Hayden would match up on, say, Brandon Cooks or Tyreek Hill. It just, I'm not sure it's a number one corner versus number one wide receiver situation. I think it's more of a stylistic matchup that this is a physical, crafty, great receiver that isn't going to probably run right by you like a Hill or Cooks will. And so, therefore, Hayden gets him, and he did a tremendous job. I mean, obviously, Hopkins had an insane catch, but I don't blame the corner for that. Where did Mike Hilton come from? Three sacks yesterday, and just a good defensive back in general. Really good find. And if you mix Sutton into the equation, all of a sudden now they have four corners that are pretty darn good and that can play man coverage, maybe the best find of the whole you know off season. I mean, not to mention you mentioned Hayden. I mean, I tweeted this during the game that picking up McDonald and Hayden right before the season starts could really, really pay off for them. And Hilton is a very, very good player. However, there's no way that an NFL quarterback in offensive scheme should allow a slot corner to get three three sacks. I mean. For that to shock you and not to be able to recognize it was on Houston. Now, you mentioned Cam Sutton a, a bit ago. Uh, it looked like he would start ahead of Artie Burns at Houston, but he did not. Uh, was that notion about trying to push Burns? I know they like Sutton, but Burns has the pedigree. 
I'm not sure what that was about. I mean, I do think it immediately showed that, boy, they may even like Hayden more than we thought. You know, that he's not even in the equation to get pushed by Sutton. That Hayden is their best corner and has been a remarkable find. Um, but I thought Burns is, I've been really highly critical of Burns this year. But I think over the last two or three weeks, he's been playing his best football. But I think this is really a positive where all of us just assumed that Sutton would be a redshirt guy this year. Didn't play at all in the preseason, hardly, or in, in camp. Oh, Matt, he and barely him, practiced. Right, right. I mean, to, have, to be able to throw him out there and trust him at all is really, really something in his favor. And that was his reputation coming out of school. I mean, he was a team captain, very high football intelligence, and I think they got a find there. Those top three picks are really going to pay off for them. We're talking to Matt Williamson, our football guru. He's brought you by 84 Lumber, your hometown building partner since 1956. Matt, uh, you mentioned the Steelers had a bad day yesterday defending the run. Was that just a bad day, or is run defense a legit problem moving forward with Ryan Shazier out? Legit problem. I mean, I think it's a very much a problem. I think their inside linebacker situation is very scary against the run and against the pass. I don't think their defensive backs filled all that well either. There was a lot of missed tackles. I didn't blame the defensive line, though. I thought the defensive line did a pretty good job of controlling the line of scrimmage on first viewing, and I'll watch it again. Um, But the back, the second and third levels of defense to me are very frightening against a good running game. Well, here's a trickle-down I kind of expected. Uh, I'm nonetheless sorry to see it. I thought when Vince Williams was the number two inside backer, kind of playing off Shazier, he was pretty good. Now that he has to more lead the way, I think he's pretty bad. Yeah, he's been exposed. You know, I mean, uh, a lot in the preseason I said about their starting 11-12, if you include a defensive back as you know, as a nickel, was Williams is fine if he's your worst or second-to-worst starter out there at all positions combined. You know, he's a downhill player. He plays with emotion. He's a quality complement to Shazier. But by no means is he an every-down guy or number one. So it's really had a ripple effect of not only does is nobody going to fill Shazier's shoes, but nobody can fill Williams' shoes as a two, and Williams as a one is out of place. Ben Roethlisberger's been really good down the stretch. At what point did he flip the switch, Matt? And how did he do it? Because I'm not sure I saw it coming to this degree, certainly. I was highly critical of him, too. I mean, I, I was publicly saying I'm worried that the end is near, that he didn't look like close to the player we were used to. And I really think that the line of demarcation was halftime at the Colts game. I mean, since going from that point on, and the, the bye was right before that, but the team overall in the first half of the Colts game was very flat, very unimpressive. And then they came out and blew their doors off. But since then, he's been at Brady's level. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And that's a pretty big sample size. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Ben, but I think he has the best supporting cast of any quarterback in the league, best protection out there, probably the best running back, definitely the best receiver. And now you got McDonald and Schuster and, you know, uh, Martavis stepping up. He's got a lot to operate with. And I think he certainly feels a lot more comfortable with those guys, too. That, in a way, I think Antonio being out might help this team because. Ben has to start to trust these others. Targets have to go elsewhere. And it's really working out well, assuming Brown comes back to being Brown when he's ready. Well, in that vein, 
Ben likes Vance McDonald at tight end, doesn't he? It's like Ben is trying to recast him as a bigger weapon uh, late in the season. Absolutely. And I've been, to be, to be very honest, I've been tooting this horn for a long time that I thought McDonald would go past James in the first month of the season. I think he's a far superior talent. You see the two out there. I mean, he's just much better with the ball in his hands. He's much faster. He's a good blocker. He's not a little guy. He's not a move tight end. Going back to Ladarius Green, you know, they, they've been looking for somebody that's a threat at this position, and I think McDonald absolutely is that guy, um, and they're incorporating him very quickly. I think they've been kind of knowing what they've had in this guy and haven't been able to unleash him to this point, but he's always going to get linebackers or he's always going to find favorable coverage. He's a big key component going forward. Well, here's the question du jour, Matt. It's what we're all talking about here on the X. Were you surprised they cut James Harrison, and were you especially surprised by the timing? I was surprised when it happened because we had talked about that, knowing that you had to make space for Gilbert. I thought McCullers might be that guy. You know, he's not really done anything. Um, but when they cut Harrison, I basically thought, well, they're not playing him anyways. He's no help on special teams. They don't trust him in coverage. It's an unceremonial way to end his career here, and now he's visiting the Patriots, for which is insane. Um, but business is business, and he's not helping the team. Why would New England want James Harrison? What would they see in a guy who only played 40 snaps all year and, frankly, got some of those out of charity? Yeah, well, two things. I think the obvious is I'm sure Belichick would like to pick his brain. I mean, they have a long history of picking up guys from their biggest rival late in the year or within the division and all those things. And I don't know how much James would tell him or all the, whatever happens, but he would be an asset behind the scenes, I'm sure. The other thing is the Patriots' front seven is poor. I mean, they can get run on. Um, I am really unimpressed with their edge pass rush as well as their run defense. He can do those things, I think better than guys that they're trotting out there at this point. But if the Steelers were to play against the Patriots and Harrison's out there, I'm sure they're going to try to get him to cover Lev Bell or McDonald, and that's not going to go well. What would the reaction be in the locker room? Was Harrison still considered a leader in that room, Matt, even though he didn't play? I know. I mean, mean, that, that kind of worries me, and obviously to a much lesser degree, but how would the fan base react to seeing Harrison in red, white, and blue? And, you know, or playing against them, and it doesn't sit well with the at the holiday season with you, but it's a business, man. I mean, such is life. I mean, uh, it's the best move for the team right now, I guess. Yeah, is it the best move for Harrison to go there? Because for every Steeler fan who thinks, well, it's a business, he needs a job, he wants a ring, yada, yada, there's going to be a Steeler fan who thinks, wow, he's going there, I don't like it. Right, there's going to be a lot of people not buying Harrison jerseys anymore or not wearing their Harrison jersey anymore. And I'm sure he's got plenty of money. And how much are you really going to make with one one game and a playoff run? Um, well, not but, only that, Matt, but he's a vested veteran. He was going to get paid for the regular season in full no matter what. True, very true. I would imagine, The only teams that make sense for him to go to, though, are contenders, obviously. You right. Know I mean, the Bears don't want him. You know, so it really narrows down the deck. And if he wants to play and there's only one team calling and he still thinks he has something in the tank, I don't blame the guy. But he better be aware that it's going to have ramifications with Steeler Nation. The Steelers will basically have got a month between truly competitive games 
by the time they play a playoff game. What are the pros and cons of that, Matt? I mentioned the Colts game earlier, and it's something we've seen around the league a lot this year that a lot of teams, and I think a lot of it has to do with the collective bargaining agreement, not being able to practice like you used to. A lot of teams came out of buy situations this year, more than I can remember, very flat, very unimpressive. That would worry me a little. Um, but overall, I think it's a huge advantage because you're getting to incorporate, see what you have in Ridley. See what you have, you know, throw a lot of things at the fan at the inside linebacker position. Hope something sticks. Play more man coverage. Do things that are a little out of your comfort zone. Incorporate Martavis more and these weapons with Brown out. Rest Bell. I mean, he's had an unbelievable workload. And hopefully stay healthy. I mean, you got to think unless catastrophe hits next Sunday, this is going to probably be the healthiest team in the NFL with the exception of Shazier. Matt, as always, great analysis. We'll do it again next week. Hi, right, Bob. This was fun. We'll talk to you later. That's Matt Williamson. He's brought to you by 84 Lumber. I've got a bunch of calls on hold. I want your thoughts on the Steelers cutting James Harrison and him meeting today with the New England Patriots. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Super genius, big fan. Is that a compromise, verbally speaking? Verbally speaking. How stupid is that? What other kind of verbally is there besides speaking? The X at 105.9. I love the defense of Harrison on Twitter. We'll get to the phone in just a moment. But uh, people saying Harrison just has a family to take care of. Yeah, he's already made 43 mil, and he gets paid in full for the rest of the season as a vested veteran, despite being cut. But, uh, yeah, he really has a family to worry about. People are overestimating Harrison's place in the Steelers' all-time hierarchy, too. He's not top 10. He might not be top 20. He's probably somewhere around 25, 26. Don't forget... We're talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers and six Super Bowl rings and dozens of Halls of Famers. We're not talking about the Tampa Bay friggin' Buccaneers. Jerry Dulac wrote in the Post-Gazette how cutting James Harrison was almost unprecedented. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, the Steelers cut Franco Harris once upon a time. I'd agree that the timing was unprecedented. And like Jerry wrote, the Steelers kept Pulamalu and Heinz Ward around after they had ceased being useful. Uh, Okay, but so what? How's that relevant to Harrison? Every decision is different. To me, it's too much fuss about something that's just football, like Mike Tomlin said. What if James Harrison does sign with New England after visiting the Patriots today? And then plays for New England against Pittsburgh. Are you going to cheer him? Or even respect him? Because that's the ultimate heel turn. Let's go to John and Castle Shannon. John, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. Uh, first off, Merry Christmas, sir. Right. Hey, Mark, uh, just real quick uh, on that James Harrison. Um, that's, that's pretty much like a trader move. Why he would do that, I don't know. Look, he... He needs to make money in, in any team in the NFL. That's fine. But why would you go to New England? Uh, thank you for the call, John. As I keep saying, he's going to get paid for the whole season as a vested veteran despite being cut. 
you know, playoff game checks, Super Bowl paycheck, yada, yada. And he can go to New England if he wants, as evidenced by the fact that he just might. But as a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler playing for the Patriots, against the Steelers would be, like I said, the ultimate heel turn. No quarter brought to you by McDonald's. I'm loving it. Let's go to Chris in McKeesport. Chris, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark, good afternoon. Hey, this James Harrison thing, I actually don't mind him going to the Patriots, and I'm a lifelong Steelers fan because, you know, at the end of the day, if he does go to the Patriots, I think there's a good shot in the AFC Championship game that he's going to sack Roethlisberger and break his back. Why do you say that? Because Roethlisberger is a rapist. Okay, why would you be happy about that? I thought you were a lifelong Steeler fan. Hung up, huh? James Harrison won't get to Roethlisberger. James Harrison's a domestic abuser. A convicted domestic abuser, as opposed to Ben Roethlisberger, against whom rape charges were never filed. People ask me why I don't have James Harrison on my show, because I'd never have the guts to talk to him that way to his face. I don't interview domestic abusers. That's why. Let's go to Jeff in the car. Jeff, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. Hey, uh, I don't have a problem with them uh, releasing them. My only question is, you sign them this year, and you play them, like you said, 40 snaps. I, I, there has to be something underlying, I would think. Well, like I said, and I'll repeat it again. Last year, they brought him in midway through the season, and they went from 4-5 and five to 11-5, and five, and he played very well. This year, midway through the season, T.J. Watt was playing great at that position. He added an element of pass coverage at that spot that Harrison never did and never could, and they were in the middle of an eight-game winning streak. So why would you stick to that plan if it even was a plan? Why would you tip over the apple cart when things are going so smooth? I, I think the fact that the Steelers are... 11 and 3 justifies all decisions made. 4123339939. This is the Mark Madden show. We'll keep talking about James Harrison. We're going to talk about the Penguins too at some point. But in 30 seconds, we're going to talk about all the calls on replay and otherwise that keep going the Patriots way and wait till you hear an amazing stat in that regard. 105.9 The X.